Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. Hey, welcome to a special edition of Scuffed. It is uh, the Emma Hayes episode. She's going to be hired as the U.S. Women's National Team coach. Tara, what do you think of that? I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more intrigued. I feel like Christmas morning. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, I should I should introduce everybody's here. Greg, Tara, and Vince. Uh, Greg, how do you feel about it? I am pretty stoked. Uh, it was a real shrewd move once again by by our U.S. soccer front office, uh, JT, Sydney Parlo-Cone, uh, to, to leak a, a list of somewhat underwhelming uh, finalists and then to to drop the bombshell the joe lowry bombshell uh that we that we snagged uh emma hayes um i mean that is that is about uh the most efficient roller coaster you can you can have for a uh uh hire like this yeah it's interesting she wasn't one of the three finalists reported by the athletic last week i guess it was and we talked about this on Woso wednesday and we weren't really that excited about the three candidates, right? But here we are. She's widely regarded as the best coach in women's soccer. Is that fair to say? She wasn't even on my shortlist, my dream shortlist, because I didn't believe it could happen. I'm with Tara, though. Like, uh, you know, when, when you're imagining the shortlist, um, I think a lot of us tended to default to players who were sort of more, more or coaches, I'm sorry, who were sort of within the U.S. Uh, universe already. So when you hear Gustafson, or you hear Laura Harvey, like those make sense. Uh, any any coach from NWSL, that would kind of make sense. Um, like Hayes, uh, Serena, like they, they kind of exist outside of the, the shortlist universe, I feel like. So uh, it's such a coup to, to, to just pull that off. Um, and, and obviously, it's such a coup that we're, you know, we're sort of already making exceptions to how she's going to take over the role. Yeah, um, it, it, so it was kind of surreal the way it, the way it uh, played out, right? Because like Saturday morning, I wake up, I see me official starting. Uh, I'm 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 already up a little early anyway, so I'm like, all right, I'm I'm gonna go watch this match, and then you know wa- watch Chelsea absolutely pound Aston Villa in the submission, just wave after wave after wave after wave of attack, and uh, I don't know. Uh, like 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 Tara said, this wasn't until it was announced. This wasn't a possibility that was possible. But uh, you know, just just happening to watch that match and then for Hayes to be announced, it, it, it was tremendous. The, the, the vibes were. I, I haven't been this excited for something in a long time. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. It, and like I know, I know we've talked about the disappointing list that the Athletic put out of the three names and. I think I think that list helps make the Emma Hayes news even greater because it's a coach that a lot of our players deserve. Like we're taking a big chance. We're going for it all instead of being a little complacent in some of the coaches that maybe we already had relationships with or maybe we already were a little bit comfortable with. I, I just I, I'm so excited to see U.S. soccer. Uh, putting in the work and really ponying up for the big guy, the big, the big woman. But um, yeah, I just, I think it's brave. I think it's cool. I, I, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be a while, I guess, since we get all that sorted out, like 
who's going to be coaching in the early part of next year and when, what exactly the transition from coaching Chelsea to coaching the U.S. women's national team will be like for Hayes. But um, maybe we should get a little bit into her background. I, uh, I pulled a couple clips from her interview with Julie Foudy last spring. And uh, I'm going to play one of those. Just to, It's one that kind of shows that she's got that dog in her. This is what she says about uh, preparing for um, next season, even while the current season is going on. And that is, I think, finding those margins is something I've always prided myself on. I won't, hmm. I don't stand still with it. I don't sit there and, like, I've, I've had a lunch meeting today. It's all about planning for next season, even though we've got a huge game on Saturday. What I've learned yeah. is that you've got to be you've got to be one step ahead all of the time. And the minute I get too relaxed or too complacent, all I remind myself was how it feels to lose. And I hate it. <laughs> hate losing. Hates losing. That's good. She, 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 wrote a, she wrote a manifesto kind of on the U.S. Women's National Team a little more than three months ago too. I don't know if it's too early to get into that, but said a lot of interesting stuff in there. The most interesting to me and I'm paraphrasing, but she she talked a, she talked a little bit near the end of it on how our team is lacking creative attacking players. Yeah, and it's true, but it it really it really made me like nearly chuckle, I guess, because what she said about Katarina Macario uh, when Kat came over to Chelsea from Lyon for, for free, her, her contract was up. It, it was a huge get for Chelsea. Emma Hayes said Katarina Macario is one of the best, most creative attackers in the world. The stars are aligning. Emma is putting the pieces together to, to bring Kat uh, back home to us, and it, it just is all making almost too much sense. I, I'm I'm a little worried about it now. So, so Tara, I thought you would be most uh, I thought you'd be most excited about her uh, poo pooing our college system, where she is like college smallage. You know what I'm saying? We need to get our players playing some ball out here. Get these girls out of here. I play on a club team, uh, Greg. I'm not trying to downplay club teams, but 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 I, but I think in in uh, Hayes's mind. There isn't much difference between a UNC varsity team and, the, and, and their club soccer team in her eyes. It seems, it seems, from a developmental perspective, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the whole thing. I think it's a must read for anyone interested in getting to know our new coach a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm talking college club, not, not professional club. I just realized I can be confused. Like, so, so much of what she's saying is just like, uh, I mean, for me, it's just like coaching catnip. When she's talking about like, spending hours and hours constantly trying to find uh the margins you know fi- trying to find every edge she can uh that is just that's it's, it's all the right things that i love to hear uh and then the key is lots of coaches can say that like we have a ton of evidence that she can in- implement this right she can do it effectively and install it uh at least at the club level um she can do it so she she backs it up like she finds edges from game to game where the approach in game in, in this game against another powerhouse is different than the than the plan against this other powerhouse she's going to play later, and and for me that's just it's huge to have that sort of track record. Uh, again, there's no such thing as a, a home run in coaching outcomes uh, when you hire a coach, 
Um, but this is spoken like a true coach. Yeah, I have to feel so much better about uh, the likelihood that we are going to get some actual coherent, focused plans in place for our team to execute than what we have been watching uh, for the past cycle. Yeah. And so, so that's what this manifesto uh, really like laid out for me. Like, okay, here's a person that's clear eyed and what she sees, what she perceives as being uh, the issues and the, uh, you know, uh, what's the opposite of issues. She's got the remedies. She's got all these remedies. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for our program here. Just, and, and just listening to her talking to other places too. This is somebody like just already it, it, without having known too much about Emma Hayes prior to this appointment. Like, uh, and, and, and I don't say this lightly. Uh, she seems like a brilliant person. She's like a brilliant person. Like I, I do not call people uh, that um, if they haven't earned it, but, but that's how much she has. Uh, that's how much I've been taken aback by just her as a person uh, doing this deep dive in these uh, 48 hours or whatever, ever since the appointment has been leaked. Yeah, I, I was in a work meeting this morning and I shared my screen, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, let me share my screen real quick. We'll look at it together. And I have like eight tabs open all on the history of Emma Hayes, <laughs> you know, her her dad, her children, her her um, like past career uh, highlights. And it's it's been a joy to even scratch the surface on what she has done and even just think about um, the possibilities of, of her coming either in international windows or in May when Chelsea's officially up. It's just, it's exciting. She has swagger. I've noticed like in her interviews and stuff, she's got like uh she's got gravitas to her and like in a down to earth kind of way. Appreciate and, that and- about it. Her. And that's not nothing either, because she's again, she's going to be in a position where she's going to have to tell a lot of, uh, you know, multi-time world champions that their time is up, uh, and she's going to have to say that in a way that doesn't destroy the, the chemistry of everyone else who's still there. Uh, and it, again, for me, I just feel like there is no doubt in my mind that she will be able to do that, uh, and we will come out the other side. That's. Something- I, wish, I hope they have a video crew in there when when she does it. <laughs> <laughs> that's something. That's something that um, like all of the stories I've been reading or even listening to in, in different podcasts, that's one of the more consistent themes is that this is this is the person who's up for the job of managing big personalities and transferring players out and transferring players in. Like the, this is something where she has the stomach for it um, compared to our previous coach who very clearly did not. Yeah. We got a real page turner here, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> real page turner. You mentioned it, Tara, but her dad, uh, just on her background, her dad was a, a ticket tout, which is a scalper, right? He was a scalper in uh, London and started like sort of uh, some kind of business uh, around scalping. And I think she said in one of, in one article, to call him an entrepreneur would be um, generous, I guess. Like he he uh, he was like a, he was just a regular dude. He was, but he was a pioneer of women's soccer in London, and um, definitely passed down his love of the game to her. Her playing career ended when she was in her late teens because of a skiing accident, 
But um, apparently she was already interested in coaching because her dad, who uh, who actually died in September at the age of 82, called her from the Atlanta Olympics, where the first Olympic women's soccer competition was held, and told her she had to go to America because, quote, this is where it's at. I think he mm. was referring specifically to um, women's soccer, you know. He, and, he might have uh, been referring to a, to a young Vince because I was also at that Olympics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, was, I was at the Atlanta Olympics. Uh, so he might have he seen me in all my glory and been like, hey, Emma, you got you to you make there. this man happy in 30 years, uh, 26 or something. I'm not trying to age myself. And she did go five years later. She moved to the United States in her mid-20s. Um, I want to play a very short clip from an interview she did with Chris Whittingham uh, that sort of encapsulates it all. Well, I was born in England, but I was definitely made in America. That I'm certain of. Definitely made in America. Tara, can you kind of walk us through what, like she didn't immediately jump into a, you know, a prestigious soccer job in 2001. What did she, what did she do? No, the first, um, the first coaching position she had was at Long Island lady writers in 2001 and then from 2003 to 2006 she worked at iona college anyone know if i'm saying that correctly yeah you are okay and then from 2006 to 2008 she was an assistant at arsenal so back across the pond yeah she moved she moved back over and then in 2008 she heads across the atlantic once again it was her first head coaching role with Chicago Red Stars from 2008 to 2011, I believe. And, uh, you know, little fun fact, that was Megan Rapino's first professional coach was Emma Hayes, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, she was excited to be part of a new league, I think is what she said and said about it um because clearly the path was the path forward was there in england but she wanted to come over and be part of something new yep. and then what tara after chicago which she references as her lowest um professional moment she she considered chicago like a failure she stick she stuck around she did, she did get fired there let's just yeah. to be clear yeah yeah, she stuck around um, the United States for a little bit and consulted on different clubs. Uh, but she moved to Chelsea in 2012, where she, up until Saturday, where she's won six WSL titles, five FA Cups, two League Cups. She was named the WSL Manager of the Season six different times. She was the League Managers Association Manager of the Year five times, and FIFA awarded her Best Football Coach in 2021. Yeah, she's she's the best in England, at least. <laughs> she's decorated. I mean, yeah. that's quite that's quite the resume. It is for sure. It is. Uh, even paying to, I mean, she's had the she's had the entire WSL like just. By the scruff of the neck, these past uh, what five six years, where 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 she's really really gotten Chelsea like you know going because 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 remember you know 2012 in England uh, you know it it wasn't I mean it was a tumultuous time for women's soccer everywhere um, but you know with with England winning the Euros and everything you know we've seen the stories that have come out about the hurdles that the English women have had to face just. 
as far as professional environments, as far as just growing up trying to play soccer, just as a young woman and all the different type of stuff. And uh, the WSL wasn't where they are now in 2012. For that, that's for sure. And Chelsea definitely wasn't. So she was the sole architect. I mean, of course, there's people with her. But yeah, the sole architect of turning Chelsea into what Chelsea became. She said she was quoted saying when when she took the job at Chelsea, they didn't have a practice facility. They didn't have a building. They didn't have a desk. They didn't have a bag of balls. I mean, that's kind of hard to believe that they didn't even have a bag of balls. But hey, Bells, when was uh, when was that interview with uh, with Whittingham? Like, was that recently? Just because that that quote is just so outstanding uh, that she was made in America. That sounds like something she would have said. In her press conference, being announced as a U.S. coach, is sort of a St. Louis is the soccer capital of the world kind of thing, just playing to the crowd. But like, it's it's amazing that that just already exists in her. Yeah, in her I believe archive. it was. I believe it was 2021, so semi recently, but you know, not a couple weeks. Do we do we think she knew? Do we think she knew one day she was going to take this job? I mean, the whole thing is. Uh, she she recruited Kat. She she got Mia in. She has a relationship with Crystal Dunn, one of the only veterans still playing high caliber soccer week in week out. Um, maybe she's been playing chess this whole time. I think so. I think I think she I think she brought over Sam Kerr uh, in an effort to prepare herself to coach Sophia Smith. I think that's that that in my mind is what she was already doing. She was like. In six years, I'm going to be coaching Sophia Smith. I need someone who's going to be like her now. Uh, give me Sam Kerr. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be so fun when she does everything exactly like we want, it, want her to. That's <laughs> no, cool. I was laughing. Because while we're singing songs about her, I'm totally like, it's going to somehow it's just all going to blow up. We're going to crash out of the group stage of the Olympics. <laughs> Sophia Christ. Smith won't ah. make the roster. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, like, like I am picturing. When she when she wrote this thing that we're calling the manifesto, which was an article in the uh, Telegraph, but I just picture like you know uh, uh, a email popping up in the in the Matt Crocker's inbox. It's all of a sudden like, hey man, man, make sure you see this, and it's like you know just a little Emma Hayes cheap like Gmail burner account that, that she sent, and you know he's been plotting this all along. So the interview with Whittingham was in 2020, I guess. Um, not that that makes any difference for what we're saying here, but, uh, yeah, I mean, should we, should we talk a little bit more about these, what she says in this, what we keep calling the manifesto? I mean, it's, I think we're doing a little bit, we're giving it a little bit of extra credit there for being a manifesto. It's, it's a, it's an op-ed that tries to explain why the U S failed to, failed to get past the round of 16. And, and Um, with her newly acquired position, do you not think that she will take it upon herself? To rectify all of these issues that she pointed out in this article, uh, op-ed, excuse me, Bells, that she wrote? Yes. No, I agree with that. But as Tara pointed out, she says in the article, I think America are massively short of creative talent. When you're playing against more well-organized teams, better coached teams, you have to break them down. And that breaking down teams is a combination of strategy, tactics, and personnel. And I don't see that they've got the personnel to do that. Now- On the, on the current team. Well, right, right. So you could say- but but she also goes on, it's not just about this group of players, though. It is the whole structure. The realities are it is going to be very, very difficult for the U.S. to climb back to the top. I'm not saying they won't with hard work and the right conversations around their model. 
they will have to respond to this World Cup. Maybe that response would have been greater had they been knocked out in the group stages. Sometimes you have to fail to then see change for the better. Tara rightly pointed out that just a few months mm-hmm. before this, she had, or more than a few months, I guess it was, we're talking years at this point, she had brought in Katarina Macario and sang her praises as one of the most creative attackers in the world. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. how do you square those two things? I don't know. Here's what I'll uh, say. Here's what I'll say. Uh, a week ago, Emma Hayes was not one of the finalists. And then Jaden Shaw played 45 minutes of soccer. And now Emma Hayes is coaching the women's national team. I'm not saying that Jaden Shaw's 45 minutes is what tipped the scale and had Emma Hayes actually get on the phone and say, look, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm, we're going to do this. But that's probably what happened. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little cheeky. Uh, well, so Wednesday listener, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, uh, it, but it. but sincerely, like even even last night, Olivia Moultrie and Sam Coffey had a hell of a game in the semifinal. Uh, we we sent a bunch of high schoolers to the Pan America Games, and they got bronze against senior mm-hmm. teams. Nobody, nobody, including Emma Hayes's op-ed, is saying we don't have large problems. But clearly, she thinks she's the woman for the job. She's she's coming over. Yep. Yeah. She's gonna. She's going to have the right conversations around our model. Go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. Well, I'll say this too. Like, I don't think Emma Hayes is going to come in and, and get a, like, we're not going to suddenly start playing like Spain play. We're not going to play like we saw Japan and how they're capable of playing. Like, that's not what Emma Hayes is going to come in and do where we're suddenly this very intricate team. Because I do think that's where she's saying they don't have the players for it. Like, we don't necessarily have the players to just do that or at least have that be our best, uh, most pragmatic effective way of playing uh what i'm confident in is that emma hayes has good ideas for what will be pragmatic and effective for the u.s and that will see us unleash some of those some of those uh styles of play i want to get more into the style of play greg because you've been you've been in the tape right you've been watching <laughs> uh, watch a lot of chelsea but let me read one more quote and ask a question off of it one more quote from the op-ed she said There's still a huge, she actually spends a lot of the op-ed on this topic, but let me just read one quote. There's still a huge amount of talent in this U.S. team, but with so many of the squad playing solely in the NWSL, it doesn't offer enough diversity to their squad in terms of playing against different styles. Here in Europe, where you're playing in different competitions, Champions League or Cups, players aren't going to be phased by other things because they come up against different football week in, week out. I'd say half the op-ed was uh, her saying that everybody playing in NWSL is not a good thing for the women's national team. Is she going to inspire a, a Klinsman like exodus to, uh, <laughs> to Europe? It's possible. She going to, she going to tell Sophia, you got to go, you got to go girl. Remains to be seen in it. I mean, at the very least, the new, the new structure of, uh, the bargaining agreement doesn't actively discourage it the way it had in the past. Right. Yeah. So, so I think th- it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see more players, going on that sort of European adventure, uh, taking, taking like a couple years and be like, all right, we're going to, because there are super clubs, right? You can go play for a super club and not have, you're not, you're not in the backwater. You're not playing like, uh, you're not, you're not playing like pickup soccer. Like you're going to go play some really high level soccer with really high level teammates around you. Uh, and you probably, I'm sure you will grow. I'm sure players would grow from doing that. Uh, so it it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see some of that. I don't think it's going to be some kind of like directive where, uh, players who are playing in NWSL will miss out because of that. Uh, but I kind of hope so, just because, again, it, it, it'd be 
I don't mean I hope they miss out. I'm saying I hope we see that happen. I hope we see players just go play where it's not just like Corbin Albert and the the gals at Chelsea. Like we can we can just pick up any European game. Like oh, we got a couple of we got a couple of players here uh, that we can we can watch them play in these sort of curious uh, competitions that we're not as acquainted with on the women's side. Yeah, yeah people I, are people are let me real quick. People are already clamoring for a women's play bill. Greg, so I know, I know, we're getting there, right? We got the we got the kid at Ajax now, uh, starting every game. Like we got to start tracking more than just Lyon, PSG, and Chelsea. Right. Sorry, Tara. Go ahead. No, no. Um, I I just wanted I just wanted to say I'm buying into Emma Hayes shaking things up. So if that means sending sending more players overseas, then I'm in. Um, I do think. NWSO is growing, and I do think that there is going to be um, more diversity in, in in playing styles uh, as we continue to grow. But if she's coming in to shake things up, I want it across the board. I'm all in. So you don't think she's going to come in and make us play like Spain or Japan immediately, or maybe even ever? What have you learned about how her teams play from watching some Chelsea? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say literally zero chance. Like we, she's not gonna come in and be like, "Oh, th- what this team needs to do is start playing the most intricate triangles possible." Like that, I think there's no way that's gonna happen. Uh, what we'll see again is just like a variety of things. What we what we're used to is just this incredibly muddled, like totally incoherent way of playing. Where not only can we not predict what's gonna happen, but the players on the field can't predict where their teammates are going to be, uh, or you know what the next half of a pass is even gonna be. And I think what we're going to see is a, a lot more sort of like structured decision making that won't necessarily be the prettiest soccer you've ever seen, but I think will be like I'm, what I have in my head is going to be some kind of a ruthlessly effective way of playing uh, that really puts a lot of emphasis on Sophia Smith. To be honest, I know we kind of uh, beat that horse to death about like we we aren't using Sophia very well, but when you watch what she does with Sam Kerr and how much she leans on her and how much she gets out of Sam Kerr and how much the entire team can benefit from a player playing like that. Uh, I just think we're going to see so many different ways of utilizing uh, Smith, so many different styles uh, that take advantage of her, whether that's playing direct. All right, we've won the ball. We know immediately we're just going to hit the ball between Sophia Smith and the sideline before the defense can regroup and she will go win it. And she, while she's winning it, we will advance as a unit upfield. Um, stuff that we just never got from Vlaco because everything was so like, both deliberate and confused, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen in a much more vague sense is that there, there is always a plan B. Like there's flexibility if things aren't going right. There's flexibility if players are out or if, if somebody's on an injury. They're not always playing the same way back to back to back um which which i'm incredibly excited about because we have so many different types of attackers um we could potentially see a future where we utilize all of them instead of just the same one or two over and over again yeah absolutely it's definitely not going to be like a one trick pony where she's just going to say we've got sophia this is all we got I mean, I'm just thinking about the different ways she can use her and then who the, who the other attacking talents are we, we have on the field are and, and how much I think the game will open up for them in ways that from watching us play all the way through New Zealand, 
we just didn't open up the game for anybody. Like nobody was like, oh, this player gets to thrive in this system. Like nobody was eating anything for two and a half years. And I just feel like we're going to, everyone's, I feel like going to be on a pretty steady diet uh, going forward. That's, that's my real optimism here. Um, so do we have our, uh, or so it's maybe our wish list or who practically just from what y'all know about Emma, who will not be eating? Who will have their, <laughs> who will have their plates removed, uh, from, from within their reach and be, be firmly planted, uh, on the bench or, you know, just out of the team altogether. Is now the time to do this? Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> We're celebrating, and Vince is like, "All right, but now, now it's funeral time." <laughs> I'm just asking the question. He said everybody's going to be eating, but but not everybody that was on that field in uh, Australia slash New Zealand. You know. So what's interesting about this for me is I I like genuinely don't know. Right? We had we had so many players that we've watched, and we were all like so underwhelmed by, but but so much of that is also intertwined with Vlatko's general underwhelmingness of, of the team and, and how poorly that they were set up and how poorly like uh, drawn out the ideas were when we had the ball. So for me, it's like impossible to know how a, a better coach will, will assess those players and, and might say, oh, I can get a lot of use out of her in this role that we just weren't seeing. So I really don't know. Like uh, you know, Alex Morgan, was, we were kind of deprived of, of seeing Alex Morgan's phase of her career where she got to be the legacy striker who comes in for 10 minutes at the end of a world cup game. And you're just like, Oh man, we're bringing on Alex Morgan for 10 minutes. That could have been a role that she would have thrived in and might still thrive in, uh, as much as everyone's like, no, come on, what are you talking about? Get rid of Alex Morgan. But like who, if, if Emma sees, basically if Emma sees it, I'll be ready to see it. <laughs> is how I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, so that was a hell of an answer there, Greg. Uh, <laughs> Hell of a answer. Uh, very interesting. Who are your oh. top candidates for having their meal card confiscated? Uh, uh, I'm I'm not going to answer either. Well, the, um, the, let's talk about well, the people then. I'm, let's put it in the let's put it in a vague. The people will say the people will probably want to see uh, some of the people will want to see like Morgan transitioned out. We'll want to see uh, maybe Andy Sullivan uh, have less of a role with a, less of a sort of nailed on mm-hmm. role with the team. Maybe mm-hmm. Emily Sonnet's midfield career is uh, coming to a close. Like, what? Am I close to those events? Those are the three that come to mind for me. Yeah, those, those are probably the three. I, I, I've been talking to some people, uh, and, and me, just even off just watching the Chelsea game uh, on Saturday and then thinking about it after the announcement was made or whatever. Uh, I, like, I was, I was I'm, 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 I'm thinking Emma's going to have a plan for Lindsay Horan. I, I, I do believe that that will be the case. I'm not sure it's going to be in the midfield, though, because everybody I talk to, the Chelsea fans that I know that I've talked to um, are saying that like her first priority is going to be to fix the midfield. But whatever issues we have uh, in that. Uh, so, so I guess we'll be able to tell quite early whether or not she views Lindsay as being able to function within that midfield or not. But, but I do think she might have a plan. Like, you know, I've said it before. Maybe uh, Lindsay in like a little two striker setup. That'd be nice for me. Um, but 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 I do think that she'll be able to find a way to get the the good attributes from Lindsay out and and while while covering the bat. So we're talking like we're gonna do like a four four two circa nineteen ninety five. 
womp it up to Haran, have her flick it on for Sophia. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> Hold on, Tara's Tara's not off the hook here. She's got to give. She's got to give her uh, her um, players who are getting their weekend passes revoked. Yeah, I mean, I've I've not shied away from it. I think our midfield needs completely reworked, and I think Alex should have been gone a, a while ago. Yeah, full stop. We'll see, so we'll see though. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what those first lineups are going to be under her. I I also think the December camp. Uh, you you guys know uh, as as we talk bi-weekly i was running out of patience in october with twyla and with the whole thing december camp i i've gained a little bit more grace now you know she she'll have to come in and figure some things out or if she doesn't even come in and it's her assistant coming in like december figuring things out or lack of super direct action is is at least for this, at least for right now, is okay to me because she needs more than, you know, uh, a weekend when Chelsea isn't playing to make some bold decisions. She's still a woman working two jobs right now. So I, I think uh, she, she now has a little bit more room than just December, but not too much room because we have Gold Cup coming up. But I, yeah. I don't think there's any question that, sh- that we're going to see the boldness in December. Like, I don't think she's going to take okay. this job and just be like, because I'm still at Chelsea, I'm going to have a time killing camp where I basically just bring in the, the get the entire New Zealand band back together. Like, I feel like there's no way like she's got to have, uh, you know, have done some assessments. Um, I don't know that again, I don't know what her assessments would be, whether she thinks she needs to see some of these uh, veterans to see what they've got, you yeah. know, because they've got. Or, or if she's just like, nope, here's here's my midfield, and I've got these five players coming, and we're going straight at it. But I don't, I don't know that anyone's gonna break through uh, Emma Hayes' roster just by inertia because they've they've been around for a while. I, I kind of hope, I really hope not. Oh, I, I hope really not. hope. I hope, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope not either. Uh, so, so I mean, if anything, we might get some, uh, you know, some Chelsea blue favoritism. You know, man, it's maybe maybe me officials just written in ink as soon as we get to December. Who knows? Why? Why does she need to finish out the season at Chelsea? It's just contractual, like a contractual thing. She's already won six titles there. Like what? Like what does she need to do at Chelsea? (laughs) I also read um, because she's not breaking her contract. U.S. Soccer is not paying anything to Chelsea. So like all this, Uh, all this record breaking money that we're offering to Emma going to all to emma and not not anything to get her out of a contract i mean i guess i guess but 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 you know what uh let let me let me take this uh opportunity here just to bring up just to bring up uh you know greg gave him a shout out earlier batson cpc crocker you know what i'm saying i told y'all i told y'all these were serious figures i told y'all these were serious figures and uh look, look at us look at us (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're doing doing everything that you could have wanted uh the 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 stewards of this uh women's national team to to do you know we we went we went out and got the best it couldn't be more serious and uh, i i remember reading like the the hiccup with tony was he 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 didn't want to move to america and now 
that we got Emma, she just gets to stay in London until May. It's, <laughs> it's different playing fields. But also, you know, Emma is... Uh... Well, I was born in England, but I was definitely made in America. That's <laughs> certain of. Yeah. I well, love it. It's like a Chevy commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing. You talked about how, you know, she, the, one of the clips you played, Bells, was like, they've got a big game coming up in their season, and she's already focused on the issues that they're going to have next season. So in my mind, like, th- this is a coach who has no problem compartmentalizing to be like, okay, I have to make, I have to make, get this result this time, but I also have a chunk of time here that I'm going to devote to uh, something that's not the next game coming up for the team I'm coaching. So uh, I think, I think she's gonna be able to do it. I think, uh, well, it's, it's always hard for us to say this as a national team focused podcast, like coaching national teams is a part-time job. Like it's, it's very much, uh, you don't, you don't, you you know, you've got these two games coming up a month away. You've got some, you've got some flexibility on when you're going to, you know, dictate your ideas and when you're going to communicate those ideas to your staff and then how they're going to get communicated to the players. Like there's some, there's some uh, downtime here that she can, she can sort of just squeeze the actual coaching needed into the window she has available while she's, while she's working at Chelsea. Cause the other thing to remember is uh, not every game that those European super clubs are playing are going to be competitive matches. Right. No. Right. They got a lot of weeks off where they still play a game. Um, I do think I do think it's going to be a lot easier for her if these rumors or speculation about her assistant coach being on the ground um, soon are true. Uh, that that is kind of the way we're getting around her staying at Chelsea. Is um, Denise Reddy, who Emma describes as her drill sergeant. Um, Will mm-hmm. be on the ground in the meantime until May is is what other outlets are are speculating or semi reporting on. And and, okay. and Denise was born and made in the USA, uh, allegedly. It's what I'm hearing. She's from Jersey. Uh, we had to keep our Jersey affiliation <laughs> um, somehow, some way. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna it's gonna permeate. It, you know what I'm saying? You just can't keep them down. Cannot right. keep them down. But uh, so like I said, just as far as like being very impressed by Emma, the person, uh, if, and, 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 you know, Denise was listened to her interview with, uh, Julie Foudy, like Denise was with her. Like, I, I'm pretty sure she was on her staff with like the long Island lady riders. Denise wasn't on Emma's staff for that long, but they have that long, long history for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. If I got somebody that's been my, has been my road dog for this long, and, um, you know, like I said, we're making this concession, but it's for the, the very best of the best as far as, you know, I mean, you couldn't wish for anybody better. So, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And, you and know, players, we, we, got, we got things, you know, FaceTime, all different types of technology. Because, you know, these are going to happen during international breaks, right? Like, yeah. it's not like Emma's going to be actually doing too much other than like a daily training or whatever. So... I'm 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 with it. I'm with it. And and it uh the players our players were notified on Saturday of Emma's um candidacy, I guess, of being brought up to the board and the board voted on Saturday. Everything's lining up. We're gonna get an announcement any day now. It's exciting. Yeah. And, and just thinking about just thinking about the December camp and like uh <laughs> 
again, we're, we're already talking about, is she going to be able to implement her ideas already in December? But just think about what the players must be experiencing um, as far as like stakes now. Like even if this camp is, is uh, just almost like purely a tryout, uh, think of all of the players now who are going to feel like I can't just, I'm not just written in to this team anymore. Like I've got to, I've got to like show something here. Uh, yeah. I've got a, a br- brand new set of eyes, like the incredibly discriminating eyes of one of the best coaches in the world who sees stars all the time. She's not going to be like, Oh, I've never seen a player this good, but like she's going there. These players, I think in December, I think they're going to be, uh, they're going to have to be on it. No, I was thinking about that last night watching the semifinals. Like Portland Thorns lost, which was, you know, a loss is never good. But Sam Coffey had a hell of a game. And I was just thinking about her. She's she's been turned down and turned down by Vladko and she's she's got this new opportunity and she played like it. She mm. really did. Love to see it. Should we talk about the um she lost the pay the pay thing because the so it's i guess it was the, the, the only thing i saw was stephen goff uh reported that equal pay with burhalter could arise based on reporting right or is that yeah. just okay i've seen i've seen it be labeled as a record-breaking offer it could be making her the highest paid women's soccer coach in the world. And what the board was deciding on on Saturday was if it's equal to Burhalter is how I was reading it. I see. So nothing that says it is equal to, but that it's going to be quite large. Yeah. I hope well, that it is. Good for her. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, like this is, again, another, it's, this is another thing that U.S. soccer can do to establish the new baseline, like set the market uh, for women's coaches and say, uh, you know, this, this, there's just because like she was making this much at Chelsea doesn't mean that we're going to try to get her for that or just barely over that. Like we're going to, we're going to get her for what we think paying a coach is worth. And this is where, this is where our line is. Do you think that's the reason they're doing it? I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it'd be it'd be too unlikely, right? If they exactly match Burhalter's salary, I feel like that'd be too unlikely to just be like, "Oh, that's where that's where the number had to be to get Emma on board," right? Like that's I feel right. like that'd be a clear message that they'd be sending that uh, that they're resetting the market. I think, but I think the you know, I'm not saying I, I think it I think it'd be great, but I think the reason I mean the more cynical way to look at it is U.S. soccer is going to pay her the same amount that they're paying Burhalter so they can avoid another lawsuit, you know, like, so they can avoid charges of sexism, which they are still, you know, uh, smarting from. Well, even if that's the reason frame it, frame it as the the positive side. And it's a, it's a good outcome in my mind, (laughs) which is what they'll do, which is what they'll do. Yeah. 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 And it won't be a secret, right? Like these, these salaries are become public every March. Okay. We get, a, we get a 990 that tells us how much the top six or seven people at U.S. soccer are paid. So like you're saying, Bell's like, it could totally be cynical because U.S. soccer knows that number is going to be like on record. So it's like, all right, well, are we, what's, what's it worth to us to have to try to explain why the best women's coach in the world uh, is making $433,000 exactly, a year? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. But, but also with everything being said, uh, if we sign Laura Harvey, she, she's not making... You know what I'm saying? She's not making two mil or whatever. That's, that's all I'm saying. So, you know, 
we had to stick that offer out there. You know, so maybe they didn't even, they didn't even expect a, expect a bite because, you know, we're, we're, we're going through all this stuff with like, is she going to coach the rest of the season and all that? But it's like, I mean, the season just started like in the, the World Cup, uh, our, our World Cup ended before the season, before that. You know what I'm saying? So we could have had Emma in here earlier. Uh, theoretically, you know, but um, it's it like, like it does make me wonder how all this actually actually went down. And you second guessing just, here, Vince? You second guessing JT? Yeah, you no. giving JT a little bit of a uh, reprimand? I'm, I'm not I'm not reprimand. I don't I don't care about this uh, delayed start thing for real. I'm just saying like uh like 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 i do wonder if they actually like expected her to bite on the offer that they gave her or not or if this was just like a we might as well do it can't hurt uh, can't hurt to ask yeah 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 can't can't hurt to ask type thing my mom you say it all the time you have not because you ask not and uh you know <laughs> jt you know so the gentleman he probably heard that himself um I don't know. I mean, so I mean, they called. They called Mourinho for the men's side, right? Give him a call. See, see, see if he'll at least take your call. <laughs> he didn't take the call, but we we asked. Um, I forgot to play this clip, but I do want to play it. It's about Emma when she was deciding whether to go to uh, Chicago or St. Lu- I think there was a possibility in St. Louis at the time. This would be around 2008 when she took the Red Stars job. She went and saw a clairvoyant mm. and um, she asked her what she should do. And here's her explaining what, what the clairvoyant said. And I sat there and I said, listen, I've got a choice to make. I stay at Arsenal, stay as the manager there. I've got the opportunity to go and be the manager at uh, St. Louis or the Chicago Red Stars. That's my choices. And she said to me, oh, don't go to Chicago. <laughs> that, that will be an absolute nightmare. I said, what do you mean? I, you know, she said, no, don't, don't do that. Well, then of course she did do that and it, and she did get fired. So, um, but I thought it was interesting how, um, you know, Chicago used to be sort of shorthand for us soccer until they decided to move their headquarters to Atlanta. Um, but anyway, maybe it's not that interesting. Uh, and then didn't agree to the job until we, Announced a move to Atlanta. You know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? So, right. Yeah. Where the Olympics were that, that convinced her dad that she needed to go to <laughs> America. Yeah, everything's fitting together. And then she saw Jaden Shaw play a little bit of soccer and said, All right. Yeah. All right. This is where it's they, at. They got something That's over here. There's no reason she should have known who Jaden Shaw was, you know, but when she wrote, when she penned this op ed for tele, the Telegraph, like she probably uh, hadn't seen her play yet. Is that realistic? Would she have seen? Would she be like closely watching San Diego Wave games, or even? She has spoken very highly of Naomi Gurma in the past. I know okay. that. So maybe I mean maybe she's only seen Gurma with the United States, but I'm sure I'm sure she's familiar. Okay. With a lot of our up and comers. I think Gurma will be on the roster in December. I think I don't <laughs> think Gurma's going to get lose out in this trend in this coaching transition. Yeah. I don't think her. Her uh, plate is being revoked. Mm-mm. Oh, uh, one so there's one more thing that I found interesting in that uh, Fowdy interview was just her talking about, um, you know, talked about how she's always looking for an edge. Well, one of those edges that I, I, I think she has found uh, that she was 
talking about quite a bit in that interview is just, um, I guess, the intersection of sports performance and the menstrual cycle, um, which was which was which was quite interesting to me. He was, it, he's, it seems like at Chelsea they've done extensive research, a lot of science onto how the body performs in different steps of the cycle and and all that type of stuff. It was uh, quite interesting, quite interesting. I don't know what we're doing here uh in america as far as as far as all these types of things the u.s soccer and everything but uh i don't know well i think we, didn't chelsea poach our uh sports scientist from the u.s so don scott started a lot of the menstrual cycle studies um and she she was with the united states in 2019 i believe um okay. she went back to europe for a little bit and don scott's now at washington spirit so we have been we have been in the world of like female health and okay, uh, okay. everything like that. But uh, similar to how you felt, I was interested in her speaking about it and speaking about um, rehabbing injuries and everything because it gave mm. me a lot of confidence knowing that Cat mm. is with Emma right now. Um, from how she spoke about how ACL recoveries are much different in women than they are in men and it 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 just made it just made it feel like not only are we in good hands but so is cat which is going to make our team even better yeah yeah she was talking about like the lack of you know testosterone obviously yeah in women which causes uh it which makes it harder to build muscle in women and of course if you ever had your anything immobilized <laughs> on your body when you when you have an injury you know you you lose muscle quite rapidly so uh yeah i'm just yeah or or even just speaking about women's soccer and women's sports as something other than smaller men or you know less less muscular men it was fascinating it, it really was hmm. well games are what the second and the fifth of december something like that first week of december yeah, so we should have a roster around Thanksgiving, if not sooner. And then another it, reason it, to give thanks. They're in, mm-hmm. they're in Florida and Dallas for anyone who's making those plans. Florida yep. for the game December second. Dallas for December fifth. Anything else you guys want to bring up, Greg? I thought you had something else. Uh, I mean, just you know, when we talk about one of the best women's managers of all time, or the best women's manager. Uh, in the world that we've managed to secure for our national team. Uh, it does, it does sort of just for me always bring to mind uh, how head coach hiring remained across sports, almost all sports, but soccer, particularly for us remains like one of the most transparently sexist practices uh, that doesn't get talked about that much. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of women's teams that say, well, we'd prefer to hire a women, woman to be our coach. Um, but, Eventually, you know, they'll, they'll hire someone and it's 50-50, whatever it is. Like, there are a lot of men coaching women's teams where on the flip side, uh, you know, it's never stated, well, we, when a men's, hire, a men's team has an opening for their head coach, it's never stated, well, we prefer to have a man coach, but we'll just, you know, yeah. we'll make our decision. It is just a non-starter. And you know it's a non-starter because there's not a single woman coaching any men's teams at the top level or even the second levels or the third levels or the NCAA. Uh, I mean, there might, I think there's one in Division Three, one woman coaching a men's team because it's a big deal that she's the one who's doing it. USL, like, and like, it just doesn't matter what level you're at; it's a non-starter. 
Uh, and so I just, I was, yeah, I was wondering like how many boys U15 teams are coached by women? Probably not very many. Right. It's, it's, it's so obviously like not, uh, even something that is explored, um, on the men's side. Um, and, and you, you always hear with, you know, the handful of women's coaches who are recognized as the best in the world, like they might even be able to coach a men's team, uh, as though that's some impossibility. Um, but yeah, it just, it immediately comes to mind when, when we, when we do land like the best women's coach available, um, that there's no, there's no like Rooney rule for interviewing women candidates for men's teams, despite the fact that there is not a single woman coaching a men's team at any high level in the world. Hey, yo, but, but with, with that being said, Greg, uh, so I do fall within the Robert Sarver uh, view of thinking. Uh, if, if you know the quote I'm talking about, you know the quote I'm talking about. But I'm just going to paraphrase it for what we're talking about here. These women need a woman. And, and so uh, this, is, this, is, this is what I strongly believe myself. Thank you. Maybe Emma, you know, if she, if she revives and fixes the U.S. Women's National Team, maybe she, maybe she breaks the mold. Oh, I don't uh, want her to. I want her to stay with the Women's National. I want her to stay with our <laughs> national team. For three straight World Cup trophies and a couple of Olympic golds, I'd that'd be great too. Um, Tara, you good? It's such big news. I've I've been worthless since Saturday since I found out. It's number one thing on my mind. I just I can't believe it's happening. I, I'm good. I'm good today though. Yeah, we basically just sat for an hour celebrating together. So appreciate appreciate y'all letting me celebrate with you. Well, one more thing, which Vince mentioned, but we haven't discussed. She did say college smallage in that op-ed. She didn't think the development system was doing as well as it could. And she, she said, like, at, at one time, a good young English player might have gone to the U.S. to play college soccer. And that was, like, the best possibility at the time. Well, let's say 2012. Uh, she said, that's changed. That's not, that's not true anymore. And... um I wonder how you guys react to that before we before we sign off here. Uh, one of the most common things I say when I watch any of our youth teams, uh, what comes to mind first is this U19 group that we had at the Pan America Games is, God, I hope they don't go to college. So I'm all on board. Okay. I'll just say it's, it's, just, it's just not a, it's not a monolith, right? There are definitely... Uh, some really old school college soccer teams that play the old school college soccer way, which is similar to what we just saw our senior women's team play in New Zealand, um, which is which is probably not where you want them uh, what want them playing, because again, there is just like a sophistication level uh, that you don't have to abide by to be a uh, one of the best teams in college soccer because of you know the demanding the grueling schedule, the uh, substitution rules. Like all these different things can kind of factor in to be like there, you can play almost an entirely different sport and, uh, and have some real success doing that in college where to play at the highest levels, uh, outside of college, like you just, you can't play that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's, you're, you're kind of building these bad habits and ingraining them in players or not exposing them to the ways that you're going to need them to play later on in their formative years. Uh, so yeah, it it would definitely, you'd definitely have to be at the right kinds of uh, college environments if you're going to get that development that is going to help you later on that you don't have to overcome as you graduate out of. I think another thing is that the U.S. 
uh, women's national team pool is already sort of showing signs of not leaving the college pathway behind, but there's there's a shift away from it, at least. You know, Alyssa Thompson, yeah. Jaden Shaw. There was a time where Lindsay Horan was, I mean, she was the groundbreaker. She was the first player who did not go to college on our national team. And now it's it's becoming less big to not do that. Like, uh, we're, like you said, we're seeing it. We're seeing it a bit more. Yeah, and, and the, finan- the financial incentives had to align for that too, because you know, if you're if you're skipping college to take a a forty thousand dollar a year salary with no in an unstable league, uh, that's just bad. That's just bad business decision, right? But now it's like that's not what you're doing. You're gonna you're gonna get paid if you're that good. If you're good enough to skip college, you're gonna get paid to skip college. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's it. Check us out on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you.